0: Thank you for listening to the Reclaim Church Podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to your life. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at TX. Now please enjoy this message. Anyway, so I want to talk about today victory. And we're going to be in the book of Exodus chapter 23, verse 20 through 33. And I'll read that. It says, Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared for you. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. When the angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, And I blot them out. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do as they do. But you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. And I will take sicknesses away from among you. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror before you and and will throw into confusion all the people against whom you shall come. And I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, the Hittites from before you. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little will I drive them out from before you until you have increased and possessed the land. And I will set your border from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines and from the wilderness to the Euphrates. For I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand. And you shall drive them out before you shall not you shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest you lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. Now there is a lot to break down in this passage, but but I'm telling this is where we're gonna get our 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 foundation for the message. And so that's that's the story. Let, let's pray, amen. Father, we thank you for that you're already here. You're with us, God. I pray that you'd anoint my voice and my words, God. Lord, let it not be my thoughts or my opinions, but Lord, let it be led and completely guided by your Holy Spirit. Lord, help me to do what you want to be done and not what I want to be done, God. Let us see what it is to be victorious in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm not a fan of losing. For anybody who has talked to me over the last, whatever, however many months we've known each other, I'm pretty competitive. I try not to be too competitive unless I'm with Eli. Then I get really competitive. No, I'm kidding. But um, I try not to be too competitive, and and we all, we all often talk about sports and all that. And, and I'm not a fan of losing. Um, I don't like to be on the losing team. But I will not I will not join a winning team. If I'm playing basketball or sport, I'm like, no, we run it back, and I will play until we win, even if that never happens. But I'm not a fan of losing because I'm I'm pretty competitive. But that's really in the natural. In my spiritual life, I'm also not a fan of losing. I don't think any of us are. But I have had a lot of failures in my life. Can anybody relate? I've, had, I've made a lot of mistakes. There's things in my life that I wish I've never done. There's things that I wish I'd never said. Uh, we were playing this game, and it was like a question game. And they're like, what is one thing that you wish you've never said, I think, was the question or, or never done. And I was like, I can't even answer that because there's like thousands of things that I wish I would have never done or said. And, and so, so I, I've experienced failure in my life and I've experienced failure in relationships and I've experienced failure in my walk with the Lord and I've experienced these things. But one thing I've come to realize is that I, will, I, I find my only victory and my lasting victory when I'm walking with the Lord. I'm, I'm not victorious by myself. I'm not victorious when, it just, when I'm trying. You ever, you ever try to be good? You ever try to say the right thing? You ever try not to sin? And when it's out of our own will, what do we find? That we often fail. We often find ourselves defeated. And I've been there, and, I, and still there's times in my life where I'm like, oh, my gosh, I shouldn't have done that. But I've realized over the years and, and walking with the Lord that I find my greatest victory in Jesus. So here we, we jump back to the story and Israel is, is they're, they're coming out of a place that wasn't, a place of victory. In fact, there were slaves in Egypt. And we all, I mean, if you've seen The Prince of Egypt, the movie, it's a pretty good movie. Um, I, I like to think sometimes it looked like that. I like that movie a lot, but... But the the the, the Israelites they're, they're slaves in Egypt and Moses comes and he sets you know he sets them free let my people go and all these things happen and and now they're at this place where they finally have a sense of victory or a sense of freedom and it's like man we were slaves for so long and now we have an opportunity to inherit what God wants to give us which is the promised land and and I, I don't think it was just the fact that God wanted to give them the promised land I think what the promise was the, the covenant and the relationship between them and the Lord and so now they're in this place where they finally have a sense. of of freedom, but we find this moment in Exodus chapter 23 where where they lay out the guidelines, they lay out all the things that they need to do, and it's basically like the promise is right here found in these verses, and he's he's kind of giving them a guideline to victory. And he's saying, listen, I've already given you a place, I have a place for you already, but there's some things that you have to do to get there. And so what God is kind of doing is kind of laying out this guideline for them for how to walk in victory. And now the first thing that, that we notice in Scripture, or one of the things that I, that I notice is he says, but if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Right? He's saying, if you do what I'm asking you to do, then you will be victorious. If you walk in obedience to my voice, then you will receive victory. The promise, and you will have victory over your enemies. The first step to victory is surrender. Now, oftentimes we want to confess this idea of "I'm, I'm more, I'm more than a conqueror," right? I love that scripture. I have it in my my notes here. I'm more than a conqueror. Or, I'm victorious in Christ. I'm, I'm victorious in Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with declaring these things. But the, the but this is the problem is sometimes we we have this this this. This, this submission or this, this confession of saying I'm victorious without the submission of obedience. Well, we'll say I'm, I'm victorious in Christ, but this is what it says in Romans 8.37. It says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What is the scripture telling us? He's telling us that I cannot claim God's victory if I live outside of his will. Because when we're more than conquerors, it's not that, oh, you're just created that way or or you're born that way. You're more than a conqueror, although that does sound like a really um, self-motivation speech type, right? Like, oh, you're, you're more than a, but no, 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 no. Apart from God, we're weak. Apart from God, we don't experience victory. So the first thing, before we can start confessing the victory of God, the question I would ask is, are you surrendered to his will? Because surrendering to the will of God leads us to lasting victory. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. What's the first step? Is to submit. Say, God, my life is not mine. It's yours. Coming to this place saying, I've tried to fight it by myself too long. I've tried to do it by myself too long. I've tried to figure it out. I've tried to, I've tried to get my bills and, and add up what I'm making. and It just doesn't seem to make sense. I've tried to do it by myself. And often when we do it by ourselves, we find ourselves defeated. And here's the problem is that is that disobedience often leads to disappointment because when we're disobedient to the Lord, we still expect his victory to be in our lives, but then we find ourselves defeated and disappointed but the only reason we're disappointed is because we're expecting God to do something for us even when we walked in disobedience to him, right? Like, I I always think, like, the best example is finances. It's like, man, I want God to bless my finances. And then Jesus is like, okay, here's the principle of giving. Whatever you give will be multiplied and given back to you. And we're like, okay, I like the second part. I want things to be multiplied first given to me and then I will give it back to God and he's like no 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 there is a promise right and oftentimes we get frustrated God why aren't you blessing my finances why aren't you giving and he's like this is this is my will this is the way to do this if you do it this way you get the multiplication and you get to receive the gift but if we do it our way what do we find disappointment and defeat do you guys kind of get what I'm saying and I know that's none of us, but this is just something that we can learn and teach others. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is something we can talk about to other people because we're good, all right? I know that. It's a good church. I'm just kidding. I mean, it is a good church. <laughs> that's not what I meant. I, mean, I was just kidding about us being perfect. Oh, Lord, help me. All right. So the, the, the truth is we have to, we have to in, order, in order for there to be victory in our lives, there has to be surrender. But this is where it gets a little bit tricky because there, isn't, there is a possibility that we can surrender to the wrong side. Galatians 5, 16, and 17 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. See, we are already surrendered. The question is to who? Every one of us are already surrendered to something. But the question is, who are you surrendered to? Matthew 6, 24, it's this principle that Jesus is laying out. He says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. What Jesus is laying out is this, this principle that you can't serve two masters in your life. And you are serving one of them whether you like to think it or not. Either way, we're serving somebody. The question is, who? And in our daily lives, I'm sure that you know this and you experience this, there's a constant battle, my flesh versus my spirit. There's a constant battle. It's all the time. You ever find yourself and you're like, you're doing something, you're like, oh, my God, that's wrong. Like, I can't do that. I can't say that. I can't go there. But why do we always feel that we we find that we find ourselves trapped between the flesh and the spirit? I want to do right, but I also want to do wrong. Right? I want to I want to be honest with my when I do my taxes, but I also need some extra money. Right? I want to be honest with my wife or with my spouse, but I also want to keep hiding what I'm doing, keep hiding what I'm saying. You, you got, there's this battle between the flesh. And the spirit, this guy cuts me off. I really want to say something. But then I really don't want to because it's wrong. There's a battle between the flesh and the spirit. And the truth is this, is how you live is a good indication of who you're surrendered to. How you walk in your daily life is is a good idea of who I'm surrendered to. If I'm constantly walking in the flesh, then guess what? The flesh will have victory in my life. Amen. Amen, Pastor Mike. Yeah. Whoo. Right? Isn't it? If I'm constantly walking in the spirit, then the spirit will have victory in my life. Is this making sense today? So I would say if we could wipe the slate clean, which thank God that he can, I would say today, if you're like, man, I've been battling this and honesty. I've been walking in the flesh. If that's us, then I would say today is the opportunity to surrender fully to the spirit of God. And to say, Lord, I'm surrendering my life to you. What does surrendering to the Lord looks like? Surrendering to the Lord looks like denial of the flesh. And sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes we 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 paint this picture that victory in our life has to be this this grand thing that everything's going to be healed at once. But sometimes victory is just keeping your mouth closed when you really want to say something mean. Sometimes victory is is just doing the right thing even when nobody's watching. That's victory. Something I learned as as I've been walking with the Lord is to celebrate the small victories. There's like, there's these, these, all of us have big things in our life where we're like, man, I want to overcome this. I don't want to be this way. I want to fight this. But can I tell you to celebrate the little victories, the little surrenders? the little moments where you apologize, or where you didn't say what you wanted to say or where you didn't go where you wanted to go or you didn't text the person you wanted to text or you you didn't consume those things that you don't want to consume anymore for a day. Celebrate those small victories because surrender to the Lord often looks like denial of the flesh, denial of the things that I desire that are not in God's will. But, but when it comes down to our fighting, this denial is the way we fight because our weapons look different from the world. We don't fight like the world fights. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. See, our our weapons, although we live in the flesh and we live in this world, our weapon is very, very different. Our weapon is, is, so the way the world fights is, if somebody hurts me, I'm going to hurt them. If somebody does me wrong, I'm going to do wrong to them. If somebody talks about me, I'm going to talk about them, right? That's how we fight and wage war in the flesh. Oh, he said something offensive to me. I'm going to say something offensive back to him. That's how we fight, right? Or is it just me? I, got, I need prayer. Help me. This is how we often wage war in the flesh. We fight it, with things that we understand, and and like that makes sense, right? Like if I want to get him back, the best thing for me to do is do what he did to me. That makes sense. But when it comes to the spiritual war that we fight, and you want spiritual victory and real lasting victory, when somebody hates you, you know what you do? You love them. When somebody talks about you, you know what you do? You bless them. You treat them better than they probably treat you. That's how we win these wars. You want to win a war in your marriage? Stop trying to get even with each other. Stop trying to to, to say the one thing that will make them stop talking. I need to hear that. Thank you, Lord. These are things that, this is the way that we fight. We don't hold grudges. We let it go. We forgive easily. This is how we fight. This is how we have victory in our lives. The, the, it's funny because the world will tell you if you're struggling with something embarrassing or something that you don't, want, you don't want anybody to know, the best way to get through it is by yourself. But can I tell you, that's not how we wage war. We wage war when there's hidden things in our lives. We confess it and we bring it out. Why? Because that's, that brings healing to us. You, you kind of get where I'm coming with, with, this, with this topic of victory. We get victory in a very different way from the world. We're not trying to be better than everybody. I, I, like, I, I've, I think I've said this before, but I'm so tired of hearing preachers talking about, like, haters and, and the haters, don't worry about what the haters say. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, I don't see that in Scripture anywhere. Jesus, when he talks about haters, people that hate you, he says, man, you got to love them. You've got to love them. Some of us are like, yeah, I could do that until that one person pops in our head and then we're like, you can't be talking about them because you don't know what they said to me. You don't know what they did to me. Like that can't be the person that you're talking about. That is the person that the Lord wants you to love. That's it. that's them. The one you think about right now in your head. That's the one that you probably have to call and text and say, "Hey, I love you and I'm sorry for what I've said in the past. I'm sorry for what I've done in the past." That's how we win wars that's how we walk in victory our victory comes from surrendering to the will and the voice of god to say okay lord what do you want me to do what do you want me to say coming to those moments and, and often you know to to um, my wife and i we saw uh strong disagreements these days we do and it's often about where are we eating. No, I'm just kidding. It's <laughs> come on, come on, man. We often have disagreements, and if I'm honest, can I can I be honest with you guys? I'm always. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm gonna be honest with you. There are times when I say things I shouldn't say. That's just the truth. Now don't ask her what I say, because that's private. And we we talk about that. And we got anyway. I'm, I'm making it so bad right now, but. There's times when I say things I don't want to say. But you know what I do in the good times? You know what I do when I'm mad and I'm frustrated? Because, you know, what you want to say it. And I just say, Lord, what do you want me to say? Or when my kids are acting up and my son is being, like, crazy, like, oh, my gosh. Like, Lord, please. I, I will ask the Lord, God, how do you want me to handle this moment? because I want to spank him. Like, that's like, that's what I want to do. But the Lord is saying, he'll say, be patient. Be kind. Encourage him. Teach him. I'm like, but that's harder. That's not easy. But we have to come to these moments when we, if you want victory in your family, and you want victory in your marriage, and you want victory with your kids, and you want victory with your relationships, it comes down to saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? And doing it. So we surrender for victory. And another second one is you have to identify your enemy. You have to identify your enemy. Uh, Exodus twenty-three thirty-one through thirty-three says, "And I will set your border from red from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines, and from the wilderness to the Euphrates. For I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For you, if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare." To you, So it's like, okay, Lord is saying, if you want your land to be blessed, if you want your life to be blessed, then you can't allow your enemy to come in and dwell with you. Because what happens when we allow our enemies to dwell with us, we often begin to pick up the traits that they do. Now, I'm not talking about people. Because if you have enemies in this world, then I would say you need prayer. Because we shouldn't have enemies. We need to love people. I'm talking about the spiritual things of this life. But who is our greatest enemy? And now quickly I know I know and I said, I, I had a, I, I kind of you know thought about this but but quickly we would say well the devil is our greatest enemy. Like that makes the most sense. Right? The devil made me do it. But can I tell you our greatest enemy is us? Our greatest enemy is our flesh. That's our greatest enemy. You know why? Because if we're, if we're honest We desire self pleasure. That's the truth. That's why we say those things that will hurt them because, oh, I got them. There's something about that that brings pleasure to me. I got them. Or I did it. Or I said it. Or I was right and they were wrong. Self pleasure. Our flesh is the greatest enemy that we have to face in our daily life. James 1:13 through 15 says, let, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. It doesn't say when he's enticed by the devil. It doesn't say when he's enticed by the demons. It doesn't say when he's enticed by his enemies or when he's enticed by the people. It says when we are enticed by our own desires. My greatest enemy is my flesh. This is why. This is why the world is so tempting to us. This is why everything outside of the will of God kind of intrigues us a little bit. Because this is what it says in, in 1 John two sixteen. It says, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. The world gives us this sense of pleasure. Like, man, I want what they have. I want that. I want those relationships. I want what looks like to be freedom. I want to be able to say what I want to say and spend what I want to spend and go where I want to go. And it's this world that entices us because the world is filled with self-pleasure. And so our greatest enemy is us. My biggest failures in my life were nobody's fault but mine. That's just the truth. The most, the darkest place that I've ever been in my life. Now, yeah, I can blame people and I can find excuses, but in reality, it comes down to my own decisions based on my own self-pleasure. And the truth is, if we come down to it within our own self, the reason we don't have victory is because all we want is pleasure. Oh, church ain't giving me pleasure anymore. I'm going to go find another church. Oh, man, they make me feel welcome, and they love me. And then six months goes by, and guess what? Now it's your turn to make somebody else feel welcome. It's like, oh, no, I'm going to go find somewhere else because I don't have any more pleasure here. I'm going to go find another church. Oh, you know what? Jesus, he's not really giving me the pleasure that I want. I'm going to go look for another thing. Oh, my marriage, I'm not finding pleasure in my marriage anymore. I'm going to go find it somewhere else. I'm not finding pleasure in these relationships anymore. I'm going to go find it somewhere else. You get where I'm coming from. To overcome our greatest enemy means to deny yourself. Man, this is mean. I know. I know. You know why? Because I get frustrated, not with you, but I get frustrated that the enemy has it twisted with us. That he gets us to, be- to believe and be convinced that it's not our fault. That I could just have what I want and still be okay. That all that, all that matters in this world is pleasure. All that matters is how I feel, and if I feel good, if I feel right, then everything's okay. But this is exactly why Jesus said if anyone comes after me, let him deny himself. Because the first step of having victory over your enemy is to identify him and deny him. Because it's me and it's you. Right? We have to identify our enemy. But this is this thing is that is we cannot overcome. Now I'm gonna use this word, all right. It's, I don't know if it's even, I, it actually is a word in the dictionary. I looked it up. We cannot overcome our frenemies. You guys know what a frenemy is? I mean, it makes sense, right? It sounds, it sounds right, but it is. A frenemy is basically a, an enemy who you don't like, who you've befriended. Or a friend who has, you know, like, I, they're my friend, but I don't really like them. But I keep them around because I'm used to them. That's a frenemy, right? Now, if you have real frenemies, again, repent. Like, <laughs> talk to the Lord about that. Like, is this right? But you cannot overcome a frenemy. And, and, and who is our enemy? Our enemy is really whoever we stand against. So oftentimes we're like, man, I, I, I love God. I want to follow God. But we have these frenemies within our life, and we befriended things in our spiritual walk that should be enemies. We've befriended these emotions and we've befriended these habits and we've befriended these things because they make us feel good and they make us feel like myself. I feel like if, if I let this go, then I'm not myself anymore. Well, that's kind of the plan, right? Like we're supposed to be new creations. We're supposed to deny ourselves, but we've, we've, we've adapted and we've adopted these friendships saying, okay, okay, you know what? I, I know that this is wrong, but it's not that bad. Like nobody really knows. It's not really affecting anybody. It's, it becomes my frenemy. I know, I know that I shouldn't be prideful, but but that's just how I am. That's just how I was raised. I'm just a prideful person. It's not that bad. It becomes our frenemy. Right? We, 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 we bring comfort to ourselves because we're adopting things that are not of God. But it's like, well, that's how I find myself. That's that's how that's how I release my stress, and that's how I that's where I find my rest. And it's like, oh my gosh. That's why we don't have victory is because the very things that we're supposed to overcome we've befriended them we've befriended these things you know i'll get into that in a little bit second kings 21 1 through 6 it says manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem his mother's name was Something and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. Now check this out. This is exactly what God was warning about, warning them about in Exodus. For he rebuilt the high place that Hezekiah's father had destroyed. And he erected altars for Baal and made Asherah as Ahab, king of Israel, had done and worshiped all the hosts of the heaven and served them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord of which the Lord had said in Jerusalem, will I put my name? And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he burned his son as an offering and used fortune telling and omens and dealt with mediums and with uh, necromancers. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. Here was a king who his father had just torn down all the things of the enemy, and this guy comes in and rebuilds them back up. What did he do? He took what was supposed to be an enemy, he brought it into their house, and he began to befriend these things. He began to say, oh, these things are not that bad. These things won't, we need this. It's it's helpful to me. It helps me. But these things are frenemies, and they will destroy us. These things may give us temporary comfort, but they won't bring lasting victory. The pride may make you feel comfortable for a minute. The words that are said may make you feel comfortable for a moment. The people that you shouldn't be hanging around with because they're bad influences on your life may make you feel like yourself again for the moment, but can I tell you that it's temporary? We have to to define and discover our enemies. Because oftentimes our friendships, what we befriend, determine who is our enemy. It's like, well, we're talking about victory here today. But in order to be victorious, we have to identify, what, what, what are we overcoming? Our friendships determine our enemies. James 4.4 says this, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Befriending the things of the world this is like adultery against God. Now I'm gonna tell a story, okay? I might mess it up a little bit, but I'm gonna tell a story. There's these two, this new, newly married couple, okay? And let me just pull out a couple names. We'll just call them uh, John and Jen. I know a John and Jen. Maybe I should use a different name, but <laughs> that just two J's, it makes sense. John and Jen, all right? This is not a real couple. This is just an example. So John and Jen, John finds Jen. He loves her. They, they start dating. She's like the perfect girl for him. He's like, man, she's amazing, she's, she's saved, she loves the Lord, she, she loves his family, she loves his friends, she's outgoing, she's smart, she's creative, she's, she's the woman of his dreams, right. So finally one day John gets the, the, um, the courage to ask her to marry him. Jen, of course, because she also loves John. She so says, "Yeah, of course. Let's let's get married. Let's let's do this. We love each other." And so they get married. They have a beautiful wedding. The families are united. It's it's one of those amazing relationships where like the families actually like each other. You know what I mean? So it's like they're together. It's like my marriage our families love each other. So they're they're together and and um, John John and Jen are, are now happily married in their home John's working a, a full-time job able to keep Jen at home and and, and take care of everything she has right and, and so they're going on dates they' travel they come back from their honeymoon it's just a beautiful relationship but one day John comes home and he walks into his house and he finds Jen getting ready right she's she's like she's in a nice dress and she she's getting ready to go out and and and, and John goes hey uh, where are we going today and Jen's like, oh, what do you mean? He's like, well, where are we going? You're, you're dressed, should I get dressed up too? And she tells him, she says, oh, you know what? I'm actually going by myself today. I like, okay, where are you going? She's like, well, I'm going to go out with my ex-boyfriend, Sam. I don't know Sam. I'm going to take him, up, we're going to go on a date, we're going to stay in the hotel, and I'll be back tomorrow morning. Like, what's the big deal, right? And John is like, wait a second, you're, you're my wife. This doesn't make any sense. But Jen, but, but Jen is like, well, hold on. So you're telling me because I'm in this new marriage that I can't have old relationships? How, how, okay, this is not a real story. But how ridiculous does that sound? Right? Like to us, it's like a no-brainer. Like, yeah, Jen, th- that's not how you make a marriage work. Like that's, that's not going to work. But, but it's funny. And, and again, it, you know, it is a story and it's an illustration. But really what this illustrates is our relationship with the Lord. We enter into this new covenant with God. We say, "Okay, Lord, I'm fully surrendered to you. My life belongs to you." But I still have these old things. That it's okay if I bring them into the marriage, right? God, like it's okay that I bring pride around, right? Like that's cool. It's okay that I bring my perversion around, right? Like God, it, like this is this is the relationship that we've established, right? No, 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 no. When we come to the Lord. We, we, we enter into a relationship, a covenant relationship where we're saying, God, my life fully belongs to you and old relationships must die. But we carry these things. And listen, we cannot bring old relationships into our new relationship with the Lord. And now you may, now again, I'm sorry if this, if this is like one of those messages where like, man, thank God there's no visitors here today. But listen, we, we want to be a church that hosts his presence, Right? We want to be a church that says, God, we want you and nothing else. In order to get there, we have to face and overcome the things that stand in the way. We can't bring old relationships into a new relationship with Christ. 1 Corinthians 6, 15-17 says, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never, or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he, he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Friendships with the flesh leads to death. But when we have a friendship with Christ, it leads to life and victory. And my last point is is sometimes victory doesn't always feel like victory. So we come to this place where we surrender to the Lord and and we say, okay, God, I want you to have victory in my life. Everything that I go through, whatever I'm feeling, all these things that I battle, Lord, I want victory over them. The first thing we have to do is we have to surrender. My life is no longer mine. Second thing we do is we have to identify our enemy. My enemy may look very different from yours. But we have to come to grips with saying, okay, God, show me in my life what stands in the way of you and, and help me overcome it. For some of us, it may be pride. For some of us, it may be it may be um, anger. For some of us, it may be bitterness. For some of us, it may be just um, religious mindsets or worldly mindsets. For some of us, it may be things like, um, like addictions and, and, and like pornography. Man, pornography plagues the church and nobody talks about it. It's just true. It plagues the church. But these things, we have to find victory over them. And we won't find victory until we identify them and we overcome them. But then sometimes we, we, we get to this point where we have the victory and, and it's like, okay, we, we, we know that we're overcoming these things and we're fighting these things. But sometimes victory doesn't always feel like victory. And let, me, let, me, let me try to tell you what I'm, what I'm saying. Exodus 23, verse 27 to 30 says, I will send my terror before you and will throw into confusion all the people against whom you shall come. And I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites before you. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and possessed the land. Sometimes when we're walking with the Lord, maybe maybe you can come up here, please. We're walking with the Lord. We come, we're coming to church, and he's doing a good work in our life. And it's like, you ever come to the point where you're like, God, I want, like, I know what you've promised, and I want it all right now. Like, in our heads, that's victory, right? Like, victory is to get everything that we're praying for at once. But that's not really victory when it comes to the things of God. And let me explain. The Israelites, they had to wait to receive the full promise of the land because they just weren't ready for it yet. It says that I'm doing this so that the land doesn't overtake you. I'm not giving you everything you want because I don't want this to become a burden on you. But see, what God does is he protects us by making us wait for the things that we're praying for. Now, okay, now I'm getting somewhere with this and we're, 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 we're just about done. Because it's, it's like, okay... If I'm not going to get what I'm praying for, then, then what is victory? Like, why should I even pray? If God's not going to give me everything that I want, then why should I even pray anymore? Why should I even try I'll just wait. Because victory is more about what God is doing inside of you than what he's giving you on the outside. Victory is more about my perspective and who I become in Christ than my outward circumstances. That's this is where we have to come to to come to the conclusion where it's like a good outcome doesn't always mean victory. Just because our life looks good doesn't mean we're victorious in Christ. You can build a great life. I know people and I've known of people who have what looks like a great life. They got a house, they got a family, they've got money, they've got everything that we can think of as victory, and they're miserable because they don't have Christ. You can build your own kingdom. And find victory or what seems to be. But unless Christ is with you, it's not victory at all. Psalms 127.1 says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Victory, true victory, is when the will of God is accomplished in our life. My victory is not based on how I feel or the circumstances that I'm in. It's based on who's with me. Who's with me. Philippians 4, 11-13 says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ, through him, through Christ, through Jesus, through God, the presence. Everything that I need to do can be accomplished through him. Our victory is his presence. Our victory is his presence. He was telling the Israelites, he said, listen. Because I'm with you, you'll overcome your enemies. Because I fight for you, you're going to have the victory. Our victory is linked in the presence of God. It's linked to him. I was like, man, you, you always talk about the presence. Like, can we have another message? There's something else to talk about? No. I was thinking about this on the way here. I'm like, man, I'm always talking about the presence of God. Like every message, it might have a different title, but it comes down to one thing. Because that is it. That's my victory. We're battling with anxiety and, and, and depression and, and suicidal thoughts and all these things that, that we struggle with in our daily lives, like beyond like like flesh and beyond those things, like we battle real internal issues, insecurities, right? Like nobody likes me, nobody loves me, nobody would care. All these thoughts come into our head. It's like, when am I gonna get victory over this? You get victory in his presence. Because in his presence, we see who you who we really are. In my presence, in his presence, I see that I'm loved. In his presence, I see that I'm a son. In his presence, I see that he's proud and that he cares about me and that he's with me. But we will never experience that if we're apart from him. Some of us have been battling for so long and so many years. You know why? Because we're not getting into the presence of God. We're not seeking him. We're not finding him. His presence is my true victory. In His presence, we see we receive grace to overcome sin. We receive we receive grace to overcome the flesh. This is victory. This is victory. To say, you know what? I know what the devil's tempting me to do. I know he's using my self pleasure against me. But no, I'm a child of God. I have grace to. I know that he's tempting me to say what I don't want to say. I know that I feel like I want to I want to, I want to yell and I want to slam doors and I want to, and I want to I want to make my point. But you know what? Because I'm with him, I know that in him I'm more than a conqueror. In him I'm victorious. So I don't have to do those things. Victory. I know that I'm tempted to go back to dark places and I'm I'm tempted to go back to addictions and I'm tempted to go back to my hidden and secret sin. But because I'm with him, he gives me power to say I don't need that. Self pleasure won't do it for me anymore because I'm with Him. You know what that is? That's victory. And before you know it, listen, before you might be on on step one, you're like, man, when am I going to get to step 25? When am I going to be a leader or a minister or a pastor or whatever it is that you want to be? Can I tell you that little steps of victory, little steps of saying, okay, I can overcome today, I can overcome tomorrow. I can overcome the next hour. I can overcome the next 10 minutes. I can, before you know it, you're walking in victory. And you're, victorious in you're victorious in Christ. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at TX, or check us out on our website, ReclaimChurchTX.com. Thank you for listening.